Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, we've done that three times today. Yeah, three times in the last hour, so we're pretty good at it. (laughs) But we have a basketball mailbag now, so we hope you enjoyed the previous two episodes that you've heard, the football mailbag. If If you're joining us for the basketball mailbag, you already know this mailbag is brought to you by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. Derek, I'm telling you, a fantastic place to go for lunch, for dinner, to celebrate uh, a special moment, to celebrate a Kentucky football or Kentucky basketball win. Make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings right there off I-75 in London, Kentucky for all those delicious menu items, the chicken tenders, the wings. They're, they're all the time having deals. Every day of the week, something great is going on at Buffalo Wings and Rings in London and grateful for them sponsoring the mailbag. But this is our basketball mailbag, Derek. So we're going to dive into a lot of recruiting. We're going to dive into some NIL stuff. A lot of talk about what John Calipari and this staff is doing for 2022. I know Shaden Sharp is a guy that's generating a lot of buzz. I saw Jeff Goodman came out today and ranked his top two players in the class. Amon Bates and then Shaden Sharp right there. So given Kentucky is right there with Shaden Sharp in a position that they like. Seems like Kentucky could be getting a stud player sometime in the very near future. I know the crystal ball is all in favor of Shaden Sharp to Kentucky. So I know we're going to have some questions about what that 2022 class looks like. But do you see a question you want to jump into first? Yeah, let's start with a question from uh, – I'll start with a question from Kevin. I'll see here from yesterday. He says, now that UK has all these guards – I wonder back to Justin Powell, and despite lots of rumors he was coming to UK, how it was reported that UK never offered. What happened there? So for some background, of course, Justin Powell left Auburn and is going to Tennessee. So, Sean, take it away. I honestly have no idea what happened with that. I know, remember the morning of Kentucky playing Mississippi State in the SEC tournament, what were we talking about? It wasn't Kentucky-Mississippi State. It was Justin Powell entering the transfer portal, and it certainly looked like all signs pointed to Kentucky if they offered – they never got to that point, Derek. It was also someone that they didn't offer and really show a ton of interest in out of high school with the previous staff, with Joel Justice, Tony Barbie, and those. So I really don't know exactly what happened, but it I don't know. It, it certainly never got to a point to where there was an offer extended. And now he's at Tennessee and a, a program where you're going to have to face him. They didn't get to face him this past year with Auburn because he was hurt, but Kentucky will face him at Tennessee. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I, I want to say Kellen Grady was the only guard who committed pre-coaching staff change, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yep, he was. That was the Sorry, only I got one. you. got you when you are drinking. My bad. Sorry. Uh, uh, but I was, was just the... thinking, you know, Grady Grady was committed, and you know, obviously you're going to take him no matter who your coaching staff is. But then Sabir Wheeler committed in May. You had Tata Washington commit in May. All these guys committed around my wedding, that's why I remember that. Uh, Tata Washington was actually supposed to commit my wedding day. I think he threw a bone to UK media and moved it up a little bit. But uh, same deal with uh, CJ Frederick. So I think that's all the guys they added, right? Yeah, and, and you can't say and you can't say injury concerns about Powell because you took CJ Frederick, who's had right. a lot of injuries and stuff. But I think they just liked the fit better for some other guys. I, th- I think they that. did. I don't think honestly the first time around. I will say this: Kentucky wasn't a huge fan. I don't think of Justin Fowl, Justin, Justin Fowl, Justin Powell in the original recruitment. And maybe they just kind of thought that they saw value somewhere else. 
Uh, you also got to factor in, too, surely Cal and the staff knew that the interconference transfer rule was going to go away. But at the time when that was a thing, it, it really hadn't been discussed a ton as much as it was when they got Xavier Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about Powell committing, I think, in early April versus uh, a whole month later for Wheeler. Moving on, Go Big Blue 2455 asks, is it realistic to think seven to eight teams can make the tournament this year? He lists UK, Bama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, LSU, and Mississippi State. Absolutely. Given what the SEC put together in the transfer portal and Mississippi State being on there with the additions that they added, yeah, it, it is. And another one, too, to maybe watch out for would be, <clears throat> excuse me, an, an Ole Miss. I know Kermit Davis moving into to a pivotal year there. I, I think that's a program to keep your eye on. But I really like the teams that he listed. I mean, Alabama appears to be strong again uh, with Shackelford coming back. And, I mean, obviously those five-star guards that they're bringing in, Derek, we know what UK's done. We know what Musselman's done at Arkansas, Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Bruce Pearl benefited a lot from the transfer portal. I know he lost Justin Powell, but obviously getting Walker Kessler. And, I mean, not, that is a program that you think is going to be uh, there as well. And then Florida and LSU. Yeah, I, I think that this could be a very strong year from the league, which to me – kind of magnifies just how important it was for John Calipari to do the exact thing that he did in the transfer portal with the experience, because this is going to be a gauntlet, not just in the non-conference schedule, but in the conference schedule, every single day that you take the floor, we'll talk about it in football in the SEC. I think you're going to be to be able to say the same thing, not in and not out and the basketball side of the conference as well this year. I look at those teams he listed. The only one I would say I'm a little not sure on to be Florida. I think this could be a year Florida misses the tournament. Um, Which then could probably mean, honestly, a head coaching change. Yes, uh, potentially there. I mean, Mike White's not been awful down there, but I think he's had teams more talented than the one he's going to have this year, and they failed to to really do a whole lot. Uh, I would say UK, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn are all locks, though, would be stunned. Maybe even LSU. I mean, LSU added Adam Miller. Uh, Pinson from Missouri, Efton Reed, a five-star recruit, a couple other high, highly rated guys. You know, he's yeah, he's the most infamous man in college basketball in some ways, probably, Will Wade. But uh, his teams typically do pretty well. And uh, I think he's got a proven track record that when he gets guys on campus, he can coach them up and his staff can. So they've done a pretty good job, I think. Uh, Mississippi State, that's a team that I think improved via the transfer portal. Uh, and they were in the tournament just a few years ago. So, yeah, out of that list, I, I could see seven seven teams in there. Maybe not Florida. That'd be the only one for me. Is there a team that he didn't name that you could see maybe breaking through? No, I was trying to think of that, and I don't, I don't think so. I was, you know, South Carolina, fringe in my eyes, like potentially. I don't think Georgia's got any chance. A&M lost, like, their whole team. Uh, Vanderbilt did get Pippen back, but they lost freaking uh, Dissu, right, from to Texas. I don't see it going really all that well for them. So, uh, no, I don't really see anybody. I'm, who else is in the league? Uh, Missouri? I don't think so. No, they. So. Uh, I, I just mentioned Ole Miss because Kermit Davis. I do think Kermit's a good coach. He's getting oh yeah, into I, that, for, I forgot about Ole Miss. Once getting into that point to where you, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you want to see him break through, and something there where you, when you see what Musselman's doing at Arkansas as quickly as he's been putting things together there. Obviously, those two programs were in a little bit different spot historically. I mean, Andy Kennedy did a really good job at Ole Miss, but Arkansas has won a national championship. They played in Final Fours, 
and things like that. Texas A&M is a program too. Maybe keep an eye on under Buzz Williams, see what they're doing there. But man, uh, they're probably still ways away, in my opinion, from really getting to where they want to be. A uh, very good question, though. See anything else there that you want to jump into? Kind of letting you f- move your way through the basketball mailbag when I did the football there. Yeah, I think we're about to move into a pretty heavy dose of recruiting right here. So we'll start with a question from Brandon. If we don't add Jalen Duran to our roster, who, in your opinion, matches up best with Paola Bencaro opening night against Duke? And then how would the addition of OU and Texas affect the SEC Big 12 Challenge? If we don't add Jalen Duran to the roster, who matches best with Paolo Bancaro? Oh, gosh. It's a matchup nightmare, honestly, in my opinion, for Kentucky. I, I, I think it have to be a, a collective thing across the board. I mean, obviously, Oscar Sheboy had the bulk and the size to body. I saw Damian Collins go against Paolo Bancaro in the Iverson Classic, and I did not like the outcome of it. <laughs> So you cannot go there. It might end up having to be a collective thing. Keon Brooks, I don't think, has the body to bang around with Paolo. It might have to be a collective effort. I'm assuming maybe run some double teams at him and some things like that. That's my concern. Is It's always been my concern is if uh, a big body like Oscar Sheboy gets in foul trouble, Lance Ware to me isn't a true five. I think Lance is a very strong player. He's going to rebound his position. But I think that that's where Kentucky could have some trouble, Derek, is when it comes to matchups against guys like that. And that's where adding Jalen Duran, I mean, it would help. And then as, as far as how would the addition of OU and Texas affect the SEC Big 12 Challenge, probably would wipe out the SEC Big 12 Challenge because the Big 12 wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it would turn into, but it, it would definitely put an end to that, in my opinion. Yeah, and kind of sad because that's a good event. I like that event. But uh, it is. Like, like I we think... just talked about on the football side, there's not going to be a uh, – sorry about that. There's not going to be a uh, Big 12 anymore. Not in the way we know it as, as of now anyway. And I think, too, had the leagues had the leagues known the overall rosters a little sooner, Kentucky would not be playing Kansas in the SEC Big 12 Challenges here. Kentucky would be playing Texas. Yep, preview the, of a future conference game. Given the storylines of Devin Askew at Texas transferring from Kentucky, you've got the Marcus Carr storyline too when Kentucky was in on Marcus Carr and all those rumors, and then just the talent that Chris Beard has brought in in Austin. I just think that they, they missed out on a really monster matchup, but you can't. I mean, obviously, Kentucky-Kansas is a perfect place, consolation gift. Uh, because you, anytime you can go to Fog Allen and get that matchup, any, wherever it's Fog Allen, Rupp Arena, Indy, wherever that game is played, it's always going to be a good matchup. But I think they missed out on a on a big-time thing there. Yeah, I think that would essentially end the SEC Big 12 Challenge. For sure. Um, moving on now, this question comes from Keith. He asks, uh, is Cason Wallace a realistic pickup? Clark, of course, Scott Clark, uh, Shaden Sharp, Derek Lively, and uh, Wallace would be great. Obviously, talking about Kaysen. So, however, not sure who leaves after this year. It could be a log jam. Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure what what they what is the holdup with Kaysen Wallace. Do you? I mean, um, it's certainly it's a guy that they just is good enough him, to right? play. Yeah, like I'm. I'm kind of wondering to see, but obviously the names that he said after that, Clark Sharp and Lively. Derek, I'm confident that we'll be in Kentucky's class the way things are going right now. I'm, I'm thinking this could be a very good class, and I think Wallace fits in there. Uh, but uh, it, 
and there is a little bit of a logjam because you don't really know who could leave after this year. I think Kentucky has some guys that they landed in the transfer portal this offseason to me, like a C.J. Frederick. I, I don't think C.J. Frederick's going anywhere after season at Kentucky. Uh, you could still see Dante Allen there long-term. I mean, you're getting into those forward positions. I do think that this will be it for Keon Brooks at Kentucky. That's just my prediction, regardless how this year goes. But a Jacob Toppin could still see on the roster. So you could, you're starting to see a log jam with a little bit of guys, but you're also starting to see that could also not be a bad thing because you're starting to retain a lot of experience to go. But uh, I don't really know what is the deal with Case and Wallace. I mean, I like to think it's a realistic pickup considering that they did watch him recently, but you're kind of waiting to see if that offer comes out. But they're obviously trending for other people outside of Wallace. They're trending for the Shaden Sharps. I mean, they've already got Sky Clark. They, they crystal ball pickups uh, for Derek Lively. What, what do you make of the Case and Wallace situation? Really that, that's not the only question we have about that, by the way. Yeah, really interesting to me. I know they're looking at him, and if you're – a spot UK might be in, and I, I think the word with Case and Wallace for a long time has been that if UK just pushed for him, they would very likely get him. I don't if, – if you're Cal, you might be trying to weigh winning this kid, because it sounds like he might end up at Tennessee. Yeah. If he doesn't come to Kentucky. So do you wonder, hey, is it worth taking this kid just to keep him away from Tennessee? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about his recruitment to really know. I know he's got three or he's got two picks in the crystal ball. I don't know how recent the Kentucky one was. Let me take a look really quick right here. And, and two, we, we have we need to mention Nick Smith's name. Nick yeah, Smith he just got offered, option. right? Yep. And then crystal ball predictions and stuff coming in there. So obviously Kentucky's in a really good spot with him but we, we've got multiple questions on this topic ron roberts is asking the same thing kind of and then i had one in email too that i want to make sure that i'm just trying to loop all these in Derek, and then we'll answer it mm-hmm. um zach braun asked the same thing about potential commitments coming in 2022 such as shaden sharp who do you think that class ultimately looks like so let's just go ahead and kind of just wrap all this into one answer uh what were you looking up there those crystal ball picks. I mean, one was from a Baylor insider and one was from Chris Fisher, but it was back in April. So I don't, I don't know. And the one pick from the Baylor guy was pretty low confidence. So it doesn't seem to me like Case Wallace is really that close to deciding yet. So I don't really know how, how it's going to go for him in the coming months or weeks whenever he decides to commit. But uh, I was going to say real quick before we move on, my my the scenario I want to see happen, and I have no idea how realistic it is but I still want to see Damian Collins and Derek Lively in the same front court because I think those guys would just block every shot near the rim. Super athletic front court. Which gets us into to some questions here. So we'll we'll throw Ron's question in with Zach. So Zach was asking, who do we think are potential commitments coming in the 22 class? It starts with Shaden Sharp. I think Shaden Sharp is a Kentucky Wildcat. I think that is coming soon. I think you could probably get something maybe after Peach Jam. Honestly, Derek, given the way Kentucky is, and you're, you mentioned this a few days ago off the record with me, we're moving into that point here where Kentucky or something with the recruiting, usually they, they usually get something in this period coming through August through September. You know, B.J. Boston and stuff a couple of years ago. You know, Sky Clark in October last year. So I think we're moving into the point. But as far as commitments for this class, you've got Sky Clark already in there. I like Shaden Sharp. I like where Kentucky's at with Derek Lively. Given the history and everything there with Case and Wallace, I think that's a guy that if they went in on, they could get, but also like their position with Nick Smith as well. So I, I'm confident that they could get one of those guys if they want them, Derek. So this is starting to shape up to be a pretty solid class. 
if they can hang on to the momentum they have and close the deal. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Seems like the only guy I see popping up on my Twitter feed now is Shaden Sharp. Uh, I mean, I think there are people that his rise is maybe greater than anyone else's in that class and with UK feeling good about him, um, he, he would be a monster addition, I think to this team. He would be next year. And, and then Ron had the second half of his question that I've already kind of answered about what are the, also what are the way too early predictions for who stays and goes after this coming season? And I, it's, it's hard to answer that before we've even seen them play a game, but I did name a couple of guys there, CJ Frederick, I'm confident it's going to be at Kentucky the rest of his collegiate career. I don't see an early departure there. I think Dante Allen is a guy, if he gets minutes, is still going to be at Kentucky. Lance Ware, I've been on this the entire time. I think Lance Ware understood that he was a long-term piece of this program. And then a Jacob Toppin. I think those are the four that I'm the most confident about. But I also want to throw out this, too. You mentioned Damian Collins and Derek Lively together. If Damian Collins doesn't reach that upside – Yes, but even Oscar Shibway. If Oscar Shibway doesn't get there this year, though, that I think it kind of, to me, it kind of hinders where Kentucky goes this season with this roster. But I still have some questions about Oscar Shibway. Uh, obviously, the fouls yeah. have to come down. He needs to play. He needs to play more efficiently with his minutes and some things like that. We need. We know that he needs to work on his offensive game some more. That could be a guy that I could see at Kentucky two years, but. For this team, I think Oscar Shibway reaching star potential or uh, potential enough to leave after a year would be the best thing for this Kentucky basketball team to achieve a Final Four or something greater. If not, then I could see him being at Kentucky another year, which then is not a problem because you're locking the roster being put together. Uh, But I I feel most confident about C.J. Frederick returning, Jacob Toppin, and Lance Ware, and then Dante Allen. Those are the four that I, I think are confident. I think Xavier Wheeler, one of those point guards, Wheeler and Washington, I, I think both could go. I think Wheeler came to Kentucky to increase his draft stock and hopefully his position as a pro. And then Washington, if he gets reaches that upside, could be a pick out, out of a freshman season. I, I don't know, though. It's so hard to project right now. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too, on Shibuya, because, one, he seems to really, really relish playing at Kentucky. He seems very grateful. And two, you're talking about a guy who's already been in college for a few years. So I don't think he's quite – and now with NIL too, I think NIL affects this more than – especially UK basketball because – That's a good point. Because, I mean, if – Dante in a traditional sense, you would probably look at Dante and say, hey, if his minutes don't really go up that much this year, you might think of him leaving. Well, if he's making more money at UK than he make anywhere else, maybe it's worth staying. So same deal with Sheway. Some of these guys, 
I think Coburn's actually a pretty good example at Illinois. Like some of these guys who are fringe NBA picks, if you can still come back to college, make a little bit of money and improve your draft stock a little bit more, I think college is a much more appealing option now. So I don't, I would, that'll be something I'm really curious to follow with UK basketball. How many of the guys who left in the past um, might have hung around? Yeah. Had, had the rules been the same now? So it is, that's just too hard for me to answer this far out, but I like the guys that you chose. And uh, I guess my wild card right now will be Collins because I'm really curious yeah. how, if he can reach that potential, or if this is a guy who comes, whose, whose body is not ready, who comes from a tiny Texas high school. I know he played the AAU circuit, but he, in my mind, could be a guy that we see play a couple of games and say, well, we need to need to kind of settle down on the expectations for this yeah. guy. Or it could be the opposite. I mean, that's why I really want to see these guys play before I you have, form an opinion on him. Then you have an unknown in Bryce Hopkins that we really don't know where. I didn't where even mention him. Yeah. And, two, I mean, there's going to be a transfer. There has to be. Uh, like there's always going to be a transfer, in my opinion. We just don't know who that is, but someone will transfer for sure. Then Brandon was asking to most likely 2022 commits, Lively, Sharp, Clark, Smith, agree or disagree. Given where they are in those recruitments right now, I think that you would have to agree with that, especially since they already have Clark. They're in a great position with Sharp. And then in good position with Lively and Smith, I, I think that that would be the most likely. But we also see how these things change over time and over the course of months. And as you get into the fall, maybe Kentucky prioritizes someone else. Maybe they, another school comes in. I want to see how NIL kind of impacts this as well as we go throughout the, the rest of summer and the fall. Kyle has a question, though, and you mentioned Kofi Coburn. Is it encouraging that Cal is emphasizing fit for this upcoming season by not taking Kofi? Uh, I think that's one way to suspend it. Um Depending on who you talk to out of that, I mean, we talked about the, the spin from UK that it was really odd with just how the Kofi thing went. But if you're of the opinion that, you know, some some talk that maybe Cal wasn't sure how serious Kofi was, so he didn't really get involved. I don't, I don't know what's true and what's not. Uh, but I, for the sake of no matter how it happened, just from what we know, how the roster will look, I, I do think you get a better fit now. I get not – you know, wanting to assemble as much talent as possible. We've got plenty of questions in the mailbag over the past few months talking about having a more physical presence in the post and how he would help. I agree. He certainly would answer those questions. But the the ripple-down effect that would have been caused by adding Coburn, I'm not sure would have outweighed the – I don't know if the risk would have been worth the, the reward, basically. Yeah. And then uh, back, back to – Asking you if you want. Well, back to Final Four, I, I want to make sure I got to his. His question was along the same lines of 2022 recruiting class. Who do they likely get? Who would you want UK to get? Realistic op- options only. Well, I've mentioned Lively and Sharp and, and Sky Clark and, and Nick and Smith, and I, I've mentioned all those names. I think those are the most likely as it stands right now. So those would be the names. Just trying to make sure I'm not missing anyone, Derek, as we get in. Uh, to it I've got one in my dms that I want to ask you then we can get to what you're what you're wanting to ask this is from Ryan what's the local and national media narrative if Cal loses out on Jalen Duren? he's been front and center throughout Peach Jam to see Jalen he pushed in all the chips missed on Cade Wiseman and now possibly Duren. remember we're the gold standard and eat first the narrative will be bad just given that we know that Kofi Coburn would have been at Kentucky had John Calipari in Kentucky wanted to close that deal. I think that's what would really hurt Cal 
is that they had an option to add a second team All-American to the roster. I think that gives the pushback more than just losing Jalen Dern. Good question here. Um, the next question I'm going to ask you has to do with Dern too, but staying on this one. How much flack could you give Cal if this kid signs for over a million dollars with the professional league? That's the part you can't give him flack about. I mean, and how, that's where I was coming from. That's going to come. It's it's going to be the criticism is going to come from the Kofi side more than it is the Jalen Duran side. Right. Yeah. My thing is you're talking about guaranteed contract with the pro league versus potential earnings of the NIL. The only way I think he gets absolutely crushed is if they lose him to another college. If he loses his kid to Memphis or even Miami, I know they hired everybody the kid knew at Miami, but like I would say that's the only way I would really question that. But uh, Ben Link on our Facebook page, which go like the uh, Kentucky Daily Facebook page if you haven't. We've been uploading content there, and we got a couple of questions from the mailbag uh, for from the Facebook page. Staying on the same topic, though, he asked, what does it say about Cal opting to not pursue Kofi and going all in on Duran? I'm not trying to be negative, but he has missed on the big fish in recent recruitments. Why on earth would you turn down an All-American and come in third for Duran? Yeah, that's 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 been my thought process. I've I'm of the belief that they should have added Kofi Coburn. I, I'm going to say it, even though that there were questions about fit. If you can add second team All American to your roster, I just think you do it every single time, and you you don't you don't worry about fit. You make it fit, uh, even if you have to trim off some some edges in a puzzle piece just to make the thing fit. Like I just think a second team All American you find a spot on your roster. But my thing is, too, Derek, with, with Kofi Coburn, you added Chin Coleman and Orlando Antigua to your staff. It, you didn't add them in July. You didn't add them in late June. You added them in May. And surely they thought at that point that Kofi – I'm surely Kofi thought about transferring, right? It didn't just happen overnight and become a factor the 1st of July when there were a few days away from the withdrawal deadline, the NBA draft, and the deadline to go into the transfer portal. That's the part that confuses me the most is did – Surely Kentucky knew that this was going to be an option. People talk. Yeah. Well, I guess that'd be my question is, I mean, how serious – like, I, I think people – when you ask the question the way that Ben did, I, I think it's of the assumption that Kofi would have been at UK had the UK pushed hard enough. Do we know that that's totally true, though? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't – I can't answer that fully. Um, but when you use the words turned down – you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know if that was truly how this thing played out. But uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, I, I, again, if you get Duran, all that other stuff's under the bridge, right? Water under the bridge. So uh, let's get and to this. It seems like Cal's tweet this morning about the way the summer's gone and been a success, and he threw in NIL. That to me is a pitch in recruiting. Talking about the way these these guys have handled NIL and the deals that are getting done. He well, it's, obviously talk specifics, but I think that that was a pitch at recruiting for and sure. maybe at Jalen Dern. Yeah, let's get in some NIL questions. I see two here. First one's from Jonathan. It's a Nick Saban's report about his QB's money. It's the first mic drop of the NIL era. Of course, that was Saban saying at a Texas high school convention that Young has already made a million or close to a million dollars before he's played a game. But Jonathan says, are you hearing any info about something similar from Cal with UK basketball? I know the schools can't arrange it, but a mic drop of a player or a team getting major cash would sure set the tone for this new era. I, I haven't heard anything 
on Cal and the UK program. We a lot of they try to keep a lot of stuff quiet. We know that, and I think that especially this, and at some point that it will come out. Like there will be some UK players going to land a really really big deal with something with NIL. We know that's coming, Eric. But who who's first? How does UK approach it? And and that is it is it in that preseason media interview with John Calipari that it finally comes out? I don't know. But I, to this point, I haven't heard anything. But the fact that when Nick Saban said that about a kid who's not even taken a snap or, you know, stepped foot and led the program, it, it's pretty pretty wild to think about the era we're moving into right now. I think you'll definitely see a total number from Cal at Media Day. Whatever money his kids have gotten, I think you'll hear him throw it out there yeah. to, for recruiting. Other it's, still, it's still very early, too. Like, we – you kind of want to go through, yeah, you kind of want to go through the month and see how this thing is going to play out. We're not even through the full month of this being a thing, but I'm, I'm with you. I think in those preseason interviews or the, the first time he gets a national platform on an ESPN interview or a speech or somewhere like that, that's when you're going to get it. I've got another um, NIL question here. It's from King Solomon. He never lived around here. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, like the name. Can UK set up or at least encourage an NIL deal that the entire team profits from? Like we just mentioned, you can't. He said maybe a team leader can do it. It seems to me that having everyone on the team guaranteed at least one piece of the pie is the best way to keep everyone happy. So officially, no, UK cannot cannot do that, correct? No, they, they can't. They can't orchestrate or set up. Uh, are they even allowed to offer input? Like if a kid comes to them, I don't think they can, can they? That's kind of their own personal. Yeah. You might find a business or uh, what did the University of Miami football team do? It was basically boosters just straight up paying the whole roster, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you get a booster wanting to do that at UK. I mean, I would think, who do we know for sure at basketball? You talked about Davion Mintz having the cameo thing. Uh, Kellen Grady did the, did the sandal company. And then Dante Allen did the clothing thing. I'm sure other guys have done things. Wasn't that whole photo shoot deal at the castle for some kind of NIL thing? Surely. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I mean. There's still some unknowns with NIL. It's still really early. Really wanted, We really don't know how this is going to impact and, like, what it's going to look like and things. And, and, and I don't of, think this question is necessarily uh, – just focus on basketball either. I mean, I don't see anything. No, it's not. Two basketball. Uh, just as I was going to say, football, I think that's going to be much more difficult. I think football, you're going to see a more true, I guess I'll use the word capitalism. Yeah. I don't think everybody's going to get a piece of the pie in football. I think your top guys at UK are going to be the ones who, who really profit from it. Uh, basketball, though, fewer guys, bigger platform. I could definitely see it being more evenly distributed across that platform. Uh, probably better than other sports, honestly, just because the the brand is so big for UK basketball. Yeah, I'm See trying to else? make sure. Yeah, so what else sure we, we haven't here. missed anything else. I, I don't think that we've missed anything else in in DMs. Uh, I know, obviously, the chances of landing Jalen Dern. I know Zach asked that. What are what, what do you think the chances are of UK landing Jalen Dern? I, I, right now, I, I have no idea. Uh, if you ask me, just given that there's a lot of money out there on the table from G League and other options, Derek, and just some things that we heard leading up to it, I'm going to say he doesn't end up at Kentucky. But I, that's not a definite thing for me. That's just my guess. But Kentucky's obviously went all all in on it. Yeah, I've got no idea. Um, 
I can't imagine it'd be that much more longer before we find out, right? I mean, it's yeah, almost you, August. You think a classification announcement would come after Peach Jam. That wraps up this weekend. And I then think, uh, I think the last thing I see, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've necessarily discussed adding Texas and Oklahoma to basketball. Have we discussed that? We haven't. And we had saved it's from Jason, right? Yep. Yep. So we got into that on the football side. And we talked about the the pros and the cons of adding it on the football side. So let's talk about the pros and cons on the basketball side. If you're Kentucky, you're not scared of anyone in basketball. That's that's that side. You're adding Chris Beard to the conference, a guy who's going to be able to recruit with the best of them. And to me, building a big-time program there, I, th I think he's going to be able to do things at Texas that others have struggled to get Texas to. I just think that he has that persona about him, that that attitude and that approach. And uh, from a competitive standpoint on the defensive end, I just think that he's going to build a culture there at Texas that is going to be one of the better programs in college basketball and maybe take advantage of being at Texas and all that money that you know that the University of Texas can provide. Uh, so I think that's a pro because I think it strengthens the basketball league. So obviously we've always talked about football being the strength of the SEC, and it's it's going to continue to do that if this thing plays out, especially with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league. But I think it strengthens the basketball side of the conference too, where I don't think that Texas A&M and Missouri made a massive, massive addition to the SEC in basketball. I think these two programs would do that. Yeah, I mean, talking about Oklahoma, um, they got absolutely crushed, but, you know, they made a Final Four not that long ago when they played Villanova, I think, 2016. And then, um, like you said about Texas, maybe you might buy more stock in that program than any other in the country right now given uh, the hire and the changes that they've made. And how about this, Sean? If it happens soon and he's still there, you could have a Devin Askew reunion at UK. You could. So you, you could, could be there. Um, no, I think it's obviously, yeah, football is going to be what everybody thinks about. That's why this move is being made. But uh, the ramifications for other sports, like we said in the football episode, it's only going to strengthen it across the board. So um, I don't see else? any cons on the basketball side at all. Like I see no, nothing no. pros. Uh, yeah, we got UK Shane's question here. What do you all think the chances are the Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC? And do you see Kentucky going to the ACC or the Big Ten? No, no, not with Kentucky moving. No, Kentucky's not going to move from the SEC. And then the chances of that happening right now, I would put it 100 percent. Just from all the reports, there's too much to it, Derek, for it to not be and have some weight to it. Yeah, I mean, UK, like every other team outside of Texas A&M that's going to vote for this, it's the motivation of having money. You will be in the most established league, the most league with the most stability, uh, and the, in the richest league. So there's no chance UK would leave. If that means football will suffer, which I don't even know that it will, Sean. I've almost turned around to the point that, like, I mean, yeah, those games you would think are, are going to be chalked down as losses whenever you play those teams. Like, I get that. Uh, not trying to sound cynical, UK had been, what, 30 years in this kind of setup as it is right now, and they've never won the East. I mean, it's very hard for UK football to ever – it will be very hard for them to ever win the East. And uh, adding those two other teams will make it harder for sure. I mean, especially if you just do the top two teams, the, it's very hard to see a scenario that UK would ever be one of the two best teams in the SEC in football if you had LSU, Alabama. Auburn, Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, you, you know, you get my point, yeah. but 
I still think a lot of those games that really matter to UK fans would still matter in this other format. So I like it overall. I mean, I thought about it at first. It seemed weird, but I like it. I like the strength that it's going to be. And uh, I'm just, I'm just excited to see where this thing goes in the future and how, how much more things will come out. The ripple effect it's going to cause. I'll be curious to see how these other super conferences come together. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something interesting to follow for sure, but I'm intrigued by it. I want to see what this looks like. And I mean, think about it if you're a UK fan. I mean, you could be chilling one Saturday having the Texas Longhorns come to Kroger Field. Like, I think that's pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah, or Oklahoma. I mean, it's it's very, very cool. It would be even cooler if Bob Stoops was still at Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah. Stoops versus Stoops. So missed out on that opportunity. No, but I think it's cool. I think it's – it's changed. I mean, there's so many changes coming to the collegiate game with NIL, the transfer portal, and now possibly a super conference. And of course, it's the SEC leading the charge. It's SEC with Texas and Oklahoma. It's going to force everyone else to make a move as well because you got to keep up. And the SEC is going to lead the charge with it, it appears. And I, I think by the time we get through the end of next week, we could have something concrete with this, Derek, before yep. Kentucky ever takes the field at, at media day with local media day or even kicks off at Kroger field against Louisiana Monroe, we could have an idea of what the future of this league is going to look like. And this might be the last traditional thing that we see sec East sec West. We have no idea what's going to look like, but we're going to be right here to talk about it in the coming months and, and hopefully years on this podcast at Kentucky daily. But thank you all so much for, continuing to support Kentucky Daily, continue to download, push us up the charts, leave us a five-star rating or review. Please, those help us out tremendously. So if you're a big fan of this podcast and you haven't left a review and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do that for us. We, uh, we're we close to, I think I think we have 83 reviews, 100 reviews start showing you up in the charts even more from, from some things that I've read online. So tr- get us to that threshold there. As always, it's powered by Blue Wire Pods, but these mailbag episodes are always powered by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. They continue to sponsor the mailbag, so make it out there, conveniently located off the exit there on I-75 in London, Kentucky. Try all those delicious menu items. Uh, Hoping at some point that we can do a live mailbag there at Buffalo Wings and Rings in London. We're going to try to maybe set that up as we go into football season. But he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.